majority, if not everyone who has given birth is probably going to go through baby blues, right? You're coming on sleep deprivation, you're coming from a hormone crash, you're coming from, you know, all of these things. And so typically you're more emotional than normal, you're more reactive than normal. What we want to see is that there's an improvement in those symptoms over time, right? You want to see you're starting to come out of that fog a little bit, right? Those hormones are settling out a little bit. But when we're looking at like perinatal mood disorders. So those things you're talking about of, you know, rage, depression, anxiety, OCD, all of those things under that umbrella, typically they're not getting better and often symptoms are getting worse or staying the same. So what we're looking at is four, six, eight, even 10 months down the road. And you're like, I still, I'm struggling. Like I still don't feel like myself. Hey guys, my name is Shayla. Welcome to the Hey Shayla podcast. I went from full-time travel to full-time new COVID mom, and now I'm a mom of two. And holy wow, is motherhood and adulting a learning curve. There are so many decisions we need to make and a million ways to do it right. I created this podcast to interview some of my gurus to share their knowledge and empower you on your journey. Let me be your guinea pig and ask the question you think everyone else knows. Here, we're a little hippie. We try to do things as naturally as possible. We're open-minded and we don't take ourselves too seriously. But above all, we support one another and work to find what works. If you're into it, you're our people. Let's get started. Hey guys, welcome back to the Hey Sheila podcast. Today we have Chelsea and Caitlin who are registered psychologists in Alberta, Canada, and most importantly, moms to four kids under five woof. They each had their own struggles coming into motherhood. Caitlin had two under two and Chelsea's first was in the NICU. Not only are they psychologists, but they're best friends and wanted to help other moms transition into this role. You can find them on Instagram at mama psychologists. They also have a ton of workshops, courses, um, and information on their website. If you need further support, which is also mom, mama psychologist.ca. Cause you're in Canada. Yes, we're in Canada. You kept doing com, And it was like, not found. And I was like, what is happening? And then what obviously is I, going on. Yeah. So, so dot CA. So you guys, thank yes. you so much for coming. All of that is right. Right. I got all that information. Correct. That is all correct. You yes. betcha. So I love that you both are like, Hey, we had a rough ride in, and of course you had all the bliss as well. Like, I feel like that doesn't yeah. necessarily need to be said, but into motherhood. And then you're like, and actually we're pretty equipped to like help people in this. So let's do it. So we thought. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you totally are. And I love all of the things that you do on Instagram and every all the information that you share. It's so relatable and so helpful. Yeah. So, and that was the big push to, to start Mama Psychologist. And for myself, I had really debilitating postpartum anxiety. And as somebody who has their master's in counseling psychology and was working as, as a therapist, I thought like, oh yeah, like I work with kids. I've got this, like this can't be that bad. And, and it was that, that bad. Yeah. And I really um, felt blindsided and I didn't feel that the resources were, were out there to support postpartum anxiety. There was lots of stuff on postpartum depression. Of course I knew about that, but I'm like, should I be feeling this anxious? Like what is normal and what is like yes. completely like next step out of this world? And I found myself, my husband <laughs> found me, like he came home like a couple weeks after I'd given birth. I was just sobbing on the side of the bed. Oh, with, like my laptop and Google. <laughs> Dr. <laughs> Google. Screen. I was just 
going into this really deep cycle of just being so anxious about sins and and just all all the things all the terrible things that could possibly happen and just really struggling in that area and I'm like oh my god is this normal like am I okay and and I was not okay (laughs) yeah and do you want to share your experience with the NICU Oh yeah, that was a wild ride. Um, so I had a, my son was 12 weeks early, so three months. And, um, I know I was very fixated. I was like, he's born in the wrong year. Like I can't, could not get over the fact that he was born in the wrong year. Um, (laughs) but yeah, so we our NICU in our local area. doesn't actually take on babies that early. So he got flown up to like Calgary, which is about three hours, like from my house. And so we lived up there for three months before we actually got to come home. And so Caitlin actually messaged me in the middle of this journey and was like, Hey, do you want to like do this on Instagram and in our postpartum fogs, we're like, yeah, "Yeah, this is a great idea. Um, But I found like, especially for like NICU parents, there was nothing, there was no support, there was no resources, there was not. And I was like, so lonely in this like little world that we were stuck in, you know, you're sitting at a nice sled, 12, 14, 16 hours a day. And, you know, that's a lot of time to think a lot of time to not, um, to like be obsessed with what's going on and the noises and the beeps and all of that. And so, yeah, when we were going through that, we just decided, Hey, let's, let's reach out to other parents because we can't be the only ones that are floundering. And so that was really actually really healing. And a driving force for me was like kind of those little more niched areas of birth trauma and NICU families and preemie parents and, mm-hmm. you know, the loss that can come with those journeys. And I'm um, my, my son has had a rather rough medical journey the last few years. And so, you know, it's just figuring out how to reach all of these parents that every story is so unique and so right. different. And so challenging. Being a parent is just challenging on its own. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, those are two pretty intense welcomehood, welcoming into motherhood. So mm-hmm. I'm glad that you guys were a like why are we not equipped to do, handle this? This mm-hmm. is our training. Why? Mm-hmm. And then you were like, because it is actually that hard. And then you decided to do like help other people about it. So today I want to talk about, I said this before we started recording, but just like, we're going to lump a lot of things in today. This is going to be a very general overview of postpartum anxiety, depression, rage is in there now. I feel like depression was like the most common. And then people started becoming more and more aware of postpartum anxiety and then people started to become more and more aware of postpartum rage and that's sort of the things that are I don't know uh, that we'll talk about today center more yeah yeah Mm -hmm. totally um because there's also because because I asked on Instagram what people had and some people like oh I had postpartum OCD I had postpartum and you guys said dimmer like there's all sorts of different things that can happen like you said Mm -hmm. even with the Nick you say everyone's everyone's experience is different but we're going to kind of go over those three as a focus. So with those, and I, this is the same thing I was Googling. How do you know? Because there's baby blues too. And baby Mm. blues is just, you know, what happens. And it's like, that's just what happens. And you don't need to go get medication or therapy. It's just your hormones or whatever. So how do you, how do you differentiate between like, no, I'm pretty sure I'm like, I've got one of these postpartum anxiety, depression, or rage, or this is just baby blues. Yeah, we get asked that a lot, actually. And I believe you. We would argue baby blues is probably 
majority, if not everyone who has given birth is probably going to go through baby blues, right? You're coming on sleep deprivation. You're coming from a hormone crash. You're coming from, you know, all of these things. And so typically you're more emotional than normal. You're more reactive than normal, but you should see an improvement in that. Like I remember coming home, my son was adjusting to having a, a baby sister. He's sobbing, she's sobbing. And then I'm just like sobbing on the couch, right? Like that's baby blues. Everybody's crying. Totally. Everyone's having a rough day. Um, <laughs> totally normal. And yeah, it, it happens, right? And so what we want to see is that there's an improvement in those symptoms over time, right? You want to see you're starting to come out of that fog a little bit, right? Those hormones are settling out a little bit. Um, sometimes it can happen if there's like changes, if you are like breastfeeding and then not. So there's like moments in time where you might notice those hormonal shifts or notice those emotional changes. Mm -hmm. But overall, as a general rule, you're going to see it, <clears throat> excuse me, improve. But when we're looking at like perinatal mood disorders. So those things you're talking about of, you know, rage, depression, anxiety, OCD, all of those things under that umbrella, typically they're not getting better and often symptoms are getting worse or staying the same. So what we're looking at is four, six, eight, even 10 months down the road. And you're like, I still am struggling. Like I still don't feel like myself. Um, so often questions we'll ask is, okay, what's your day-to-day -day life look like? Like what's going on? What symptoms are you having? And how much are these symptoms impeding your day-to-day -day life, right? Like, for example, if you can't go outside if you can't go down the stairs because you're so anxious of dropping baby or if you're sitting staring at the baby monitor while they're sleeping for that you know hour two hours whatever you're lucky enough to get um that's obviously impeding your day-to-day -day life right mm -hmm. so that's one thing that we typically look at and then we're also looking again at the intensity of symptoms so if again, if they're getting worse, that's a sign that, okay, maybe something's not going well or something's not right. Or if they're staying like kind of that like monotone level, right? A lot of people that we see with depression will say like, I'm just like not enjoying things day to day. And it's just like staying like this constant, like muted tone in my life where I'm just like, nothing feels good. Nothing feels exciting, but it's not getting worse either. Right. And that can sometimes be hard to decipher. Mm -hmm. So when you're saying it's not getting better, are we talking about a couple of days? Are we talking about 10 months or like how long do you, would you give it to be like, it's getting better. It's getting worse. Typically you'll say at least a month. It depends on what kind of concern you're looking at, but for sure we'll go like a month if you're wanting like concrete time, you know, if you're still like staying in this slump. The other thing to keep in mind with all of this is that often mood disorders come out later in the postpartum period. Mm. It's not right when you give birth. It's again, that four, six, eight months down the line. And then you're noticing like, yeah, I'm still like not enjoying my day-to-day -day life or I'm still not being able to do some things that I was able to do before or you know when it comes to like the OCD stuff it, or the rage it's like okay my emotions are like so out of control and I just can't regulate myself like I did before I gave birth and you're saying still could it be like you were you had the baby blues but you kind of got out of it you had a good time like for the most part you'd say it was good and then at eight ten six months all of a sudden you just tank and you're like what is happening yeah, it doesn't necessarily have to be that drastic. It could be a subtle decline over time, right? Okay, okay. So subtle that you don't necessarily notice. Got Some it. people it does start early on and just like carries on, but we really want to highlight like it doesn't have to be like right when you give birth because there's kind of this misconception yeah. that, you mm -hmm. know, you get through that fourth trimester and you're uh -huh. like, oh, I made it. I'm good. Yep. I yeah. made it through these, these months. And that's, uh, unfortunately, that's not necessarily the case. 
Totally. And then your hair starts falling out after that. And then you start having the, okay. I've heard, like, yeah. I, like what? <laughs> but that's okay. So I see what you're saying. You're saying a lot of time, a lot of people think like, oh, okay. It's going to happen right when I get home. And I baby blues though, you would say happen in that fourth trimester. Okay. And then if further down the line, either you start to have symptoms or your symptoms just are progressively continuing to get worse, then that's a sign that it's not just baby blues. Yeah, totally. And would you say that your symptoms can come and go even if you have like the depression or the anxiety or rage, or is it just a constant Um, Everyone's a little bit different with that. Like typically it's not like, like months of like feeling better and then feeling worse and then feeling better with those kind of things. Typically it's kind of a steadier state in terms of, you know, that anxiety is kind of always under the surface or that depression is always under the surface. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You might be able to like go to an activity and let's say enjoy yourself for an afternoon, but let's say you're back at home and then that distraction is gone. You're probably going to feel the same as you have. That's that's interesting. Yeah. Cause I remember uh, with my first, I've never had anything diagnosed, but I'm pretty sure there was something going on with my first because it was just gnarly. And it and it was the same where it was like, is this baby blues? Is this not? And even just what you've said, it would have helped a lot because I think it was later on. And but then you'd have like a great day and you're like, oh, my gosh, I love <laughs> being a mom. Like, this is the greatest thing in the whole wide world. And then the next day you're on the floor crying because your baby won't take a nap. But I feel like even that that's still pretty surfacey. You're saying underlying you have this like anxiety and a lot of people talk about intrusive thoughts or like where you have this constant like low that you're inside you feel super low or inside you feel super anxious or in right Mm -hmm. yeah that sounds more accurate okay um okay so once you kind of decide so if you're listening you're like okay I think this is me. I think I'm past the baby blue stage. I think I'm kind of getting into some of these things that you're talking about. What do you do? What do you go talk? Like, I feel like your OB is a obvious potential answer, but like me, when I went to my OB, I'm filling out the questionnaire and it's like, are you getting enough sleep? Can you fall asleep at night? And I'm like, the fuck are you talking about like before kids or like since I've had kids or like what's the baseline yes exactly are we talking about new mom sleep are we talking about like worse than new mom sleep and it's just the questions were so much of like no no I'm not of course I'm not but you're like but as a new mom I feel like I'm getting the right amount of sleep you know what I mean so I felt like even my OB wasn't gonna catch something unless I just went to her and said put me on some meds and then she would have been like okay great no problem Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's especially what we find kind of the first line of defense is typically your family doctor, right? In here in Canada, we have, um, we have like literally one OB for a population of like, I don't know, 250,000 people that are around us. Maybe not that many, but oh there's gosh, only yeah. one OB. So there's not, not a lot of follow-up. So mm-hmm. typically be going to your family doctor or reaching out to a postpartum therapist, right? going to postpartum.net and looking for your area, for your state, for your region, and seeing people who who are trained, who can specifically address these sort of issues. But typically what we see is people go to their family doctor as, as the first line of defense. They talk to their other, you know, what other moms in their life, if they feel comfortable. And it's like, okay, what, what did you guys do? Is it like medication? Is it therapy? Is it a combination of the two? 
And maybe it's just you not having that open and honest conversation with the people that they feel safe and supported and comfortable with. And something that we always discuss is prepping for the postpartum period, right? Knowing that there is a chance, especially if you've had depression or anxiety in the past, you may be more susceptible, like I was, to postpartum anxiety or postpartum depression and having that conversation with, with your partner or with your support team and saying, you know what, what, what should I be watching for? Like, mm. you know what, who, who can I contact when, when things are not going very good and having that already set up beforehand can be, can be huge, right? Totally. Yeah, I love that. Postpartum.net, I've never heard of that. Mm-hmm. It's just a way to find therapists. Yeah, so it is a, Chelsea, do you want to talk about it? You know a little bit more about it. Yeah, so it's um, Postpartum International is just kind of um, a, a big hub in terms of resources. And so, you know, they have different online support groups, they have different um, telephone lines, they have articles where you can just like look up all this information. So oh. it's a really good starting point. If you're unsure of like, A, what your symptoms are, B, if you find that you don't have access to a family doctor or your physician. And it also gives you just some ways to just connect and find some resources, especially their mm-hmm. directory is awesome because, you know, we have messages all the time. They're like, who do I see in this area? And we're like, I, I don't know. I'm in, in Tennessee. And it's like, <laughs> I, I have no idea who you see in Tennessee. Go, totally. go to this area. Yeah. Right. And it's like, okay, in Tennessee, in this part of, of the world, these are the providers that, that you can reach out to. And it's specifically therapists. Yeah. Uh, postpartum yeah. therapists. Yeah. That's incredible. I had no mm-hmm. idea that that it's just postpartum.net. Yeah. Okay. Wow. I feel like that's gold right there. <laughs> that's amazing. We are going to take a brief break to talk about the California Beach Go. The California Beach Co. is the easiest, lightest pop-up tent there is. I used it as like a pack and play when Aaliyah was little. I know some people that use it as a crib. We now use it when we're camping, when she's outside and it's a house. She's used it as a hamster wheel. You can get really creative with this. But what I love about it is that it's so light and that it it literally goes up in seconds. I remember trying to put a pack and play together nine months pregnant and I almost cried. This thing is so simple. I would recommend getting the mattress. That's a question I get a lot. You don't necessarily need the mattress cover, but if you don't have that mattress, then the bottom is just like the tent material. So you want a little padding. I have a code, hey, Shayla. You can go to heyshayla.com slash California Beach Co. pod. And if my code ever doesn't work, you can always go to heyshayla.com slash codes. Let's get back to the show. So that was another question I was going to ask. If there is, it, it, are you more likely or more susceptible to have it if you've previously had it, if you have it during pregnancy, or if you've had it in a first pregnancy or a first postpartum, I guess? Yeah. So what we look at for that is like kind of like risk factors and protective factors. So risk factors are things that are going to increase the likelihood that you'll experience this and protective factors are things that can help kind of be preventative or be supportive if you have some challenges. So when we're looking at risk factors, we do look at just a general history of postpartum, sorry, a general history of depression or anxiety is kind of a big indication if that comes up and starts during pregnancy as well. So sometimes it's called like perinatal now um, instead of postpartum because you can have depression and anxiety during pregnancy. Yeah. And so um, if you do notice that coming out during pregnancy, then again, in that postpartum period, you are at an increased risk. Mm. Um, And when we say that, we don't mean like a hundred percent, you're going to experience these struggles. Um, 
but it's just good to know, obviously, that, yeah, this, this could happen. Um, again, your support and your resources are also going to be a big factor in those things, right? Like, if you do have a birth experience that doesn't go as you expected, that's another, again, mm. risk factor of, you know, struggling at the other side of it, too. So, yeah, we just look for those risk, risk factors when we're talking to people about, you know, is this gonna, is this gonna be a struggle or not? Well, and it's potentially a good way to prep too. Like if you know you've experienced it before, if you're experiencing it during pregnancy or if you had it in your previous pregnancy or postpartum to be like, okay, it's possible and it's possible for anybody, but this has happened to me before. What am I going to do to make sure it doesn't happen again? And what are some of the things that you would recommend to do if that is the case? Yeah, the biggest things for that is for sure, like a postpartum coping plan. So typically what ours will include is things like writing down just some resources, right? What resources, who's your public health nurse? What, where's the breastfeeding clinic is if breastfeeding is something that you're going to be trying to do and who can support you that in that, is there a friend that, you know, always answers the phone when you need them to, or a family member. Um, sometimes if you do have a partner, it's talking about what your role is versus what your partner's role is going to be, you know, are you doing primarily nights or are they going to get up and help you? And, and, you know, just kind of finding ways to manage the shift in like the workload that you're about to experience right because it's hard when you've never been in it before and even if you've had a child the second child is different right it's mm -hmm. just a whole new postpartum experience so it's really just trying to say okay I don't know 100% what's going to happen and I can't predict the future but you know what are some things that I can look out for and plan for and as well as like knowing your stress symptoms already right often how we respond to stress you're probably going to respond similarly mm -hmm. um in the postpartum experience, it just might be shifted more related to like, let's say baby or sleep deprivation. But if you know, like when I get stressed, I get tension headaches or I don't eat or I shut off the world and I avoid everybody. Well, those are good things to know. So you can kind of have yourself or somebody else look out for those things for you. Such good advice. I love, what did you call it? The postpartum coping plan. Yes. That's genius because when you're in that headspace, Figuring out who to call, picking up the phone and calling, and then explaining what is going on is more, is harder than just dealing with it. Absolutely. Like, you're like, I don't even want to, like, I could call my sister, but I've already complained to her about a hundred things in the past week. And I don't want to hash it out again with another person. And I'm just going to sit here and cry because that seems easier. Yeah. Or it takes you five to seven business days just to answer a text <laughs> Totally. I love the idea of putting down the resources that you're going to need with breastfeeding with, I mean, even just writing postpartum.net, thinking about your friends that you can call prepping some of those people like, Hey, I don't know. Apparently postpartum anxiety is a thing. Depression's a thing. I'm maybe I could come up with that. Do you mind? Just like, if I call you and mention it, you kind of like take steps to do it. And then what was the last thing you said? Oh, it was it was good. Oh, the triggers, knowing what your triggers are. That's great too, because, and even writing that down and putting it on the fridge. So your partner is there and can see like, okay, have you called your friend in a while? Are you, oh, you, you've mentioned a headache a couple of times that on the fridge here, it says that's a trigger for you. And like, just being aware of that because literally postpartum you're, you are just, I don't know. It's wild. It's wild. Yeah. And your brain literally is in like baby survival mode and then everything else outside of that literally isn't working. So to have that stuff prepped during pregnancy, I think is phenomenal. Wow. You're like an expert. 
<laughs> it's like you know what you're talking about. <laughs> That's amazing. That's real. I love that. Um, okay, so I asked a little bit of the, if the symptoms can come and go. Oh, and then we talked about when they started. So we'll skip that. So so once you reach out to someone and you figure out like you reach out to your doctor and you say, okay, I think I have this. What are some possible treatment things? Because for me, I was like, I wasn't sure if I wanted to go on meds. And for me, that was the only way that it was going to be resolved. Like they were going to put me on meds. Is it okay if I'm breastfeeding? I don't know. And again, it's too much. Never mind. I'll just deal with it. Cause it was too much. I didn't know it was too many unknowns that I didn't want to start going down that path and then be like, okay, we all think I have postpartum anxiety or depression but I don't want to do it. So I'm just going to stop here. So what are, what are some of the treatment plans if you decide that you have it? So medication would be one option. And then of course, therapy would be another. And research says that a combination of medication and therapy for, for that traditional anxiety and depression is the best um, route to go in terms of having symptom relief. Okay. Of course, not everybody is comfortable breastfeeding, taking medications. I, for myself, for my postpartum anxiety, I, I went on medication because I knew that my body was so, so activated all the time. And my mind was going like a thousand miles an hour that that traditional, like cognitive behavioral therapy, when you focus on, on your thoughts and, and reframing thoughts, wasn't going to be effective for me. So I did, I did medication because I needed everything just to slow down. Right. And then if there is any trauma, if there is birth trauma, there is what's called eye movement desensitization reprocessing that calms the body, calms the nervous system, helps reframe and reprocess some of those traumatic moments. Right. And we've had people that talk about their colicky baby as being kind of that source of, of PTSD. So that's something that we've both worked with in our private practice birth trauma, kind of rehashing that that birth experience and having it replay can be really, really tough for mm -hmm. some people. So kind of a medication therapy and I mean, the traditional like talk therapy, but then also some trauma body-based therapies to calm your, your system down and to process some of the, the trauma that, that you've endured. Okay, I've got two questions following up on that. Tell me, what is the eye move, the eye thing called? Eye movement desensitization reprocessing, EMDR. Yes, I've heard of it. And a few people on my podcast have talked about it. And they're like, it's wild how effective yeah. it can be. Okay, the mm -hmm. second question I have, because I I didn't, I hope I didn't shame anything about medication because I think medication absolutely is a fantastic option. But I'm curious how, when you take the medication, what does it do? How do you feel? How did you feel differently on it versus off of it? So off of it, um, my mind would not shut off. And uh, it was a lot of like kind of worst case scenarios. A lot of, I had a lot of death anxiety. Mm -hmm. So it was a lot of these thoughts kind of being all consuming in my mind. And then medication can just kind of like, you know what, you get some of that rational thought back and it's like, no, no, that's an anxiety thought. That's an anxiety thought. I'm kind of more able to, for myself, from my experience, challenge some of those negative thoughts. Okay. And differentiate, it sounds mm -hmm. like a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So it just overall allowed you to just relax a little bit more. Slow things down. Yeah. Yeah. A little That's more like, 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 
straight and narrow rather than like ups and downs and downs and downs. It's like eh, the waves, right? You can kind of ride those waves a little bit more. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I just got my baby. She was fussing. So here she is now. So if you hear cooing there, the baby is here. The pair of what you're saying, where you, the anxiety or the medication and the therapy help because the medication can get you to a place where the therapy can be more effective. Yes. Okay. Interesting. Love it. I'm, I'm eating this up. You guys, this is great. I really think it's helpful. Um, so partners, how can partners, how can they help? How can, what if your partner is kind of like postpartum anxiety and different, like, what do you mean? You should be happy. You have a baby like it and kind of like dismisses these feelings. How do you deal with either? How can your, how can your partner help? And how do you deal with a partner? That's not super supportive. Yeah, absolutely. So one thing in terms of partners is again, I would only keep coming back to our postpartum coping plan, but having those conversations about kind of what your role is and what my role is and how you can balance that workload. Cause we talk all the time about like default parenting and how, you know, it often falls on a primary parent in our world. It typically falls on mom. Now that's shifting a little bit. There are more dads that are at home and more of the default parent too, but typically we're going to talk about moms. Cause that's, that's what we're working with the most here. And so, you know, managing that workload and, and managing, you know, the mental load and all of those things, we hear about that so much and how, you know, it's this source of rage and burnout and exhaustion and anxiety even, right. It can be this like running task list. So, um, again, it's going to come down to some of those conversations, which is hard. It's hard to have those conversations when a, it's hard to know, it's hard to know what it's going to look like. It's hard to know what maybe you need in the moment before it's happened or knowing, you know, what, what your partner can do when you're, you are a first time parent, right? right. Because it's like, well, I don't, I don't even know what I'm going to do when I'm a right. first time parent. Or what to potentially expect. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, so it is just kind of having more of those general conversations, right? Like if you know you're going to be breastfeeding or trying to breastfeed, then it's like, okay, could you get up and change a diaper? Or, hey, could you get up in the morning and then I can sleep a little longer, right? If you have that option. So it's just kind of finding ways to navigate that as best as possible. And also having your partner be aware of the symptoms, signs and symptoms to look for, right? They can be a great resource for that and be like, hey, like I've just noticed you aren't feeling like yourself right now. like let's have a conversation about this. The other piece that can be important with partners too, I'm going to talk about the research specifically on dads, but they'd say one in 10 dads actually will experience like, they don't, they call it postpartum depression, anxiety, but it, all it means is, is they have similar symptoms, right? They, this issue and struggle can come up and for them too. So, right. That's interesting. Yeah. And it's probably underreported, right? It's still in, it's kind of more a newer type of research and area that that's being focused on. Um, And again, that underreporting people have to share that that's what they're experiencing. But um, yeah, research right now shows one in 10 deaths. So they're looking at some issues with mood and stress and that their own identity shifts, right? So if your partner has a history of depression and anxiety, it can be really helpful to have conversations Mm. around that too. and, And like, hey, you might be impacted by this transition. Yeah, absolutely. I didn't know that about the the uh, partner, but it also, I mean, it makes sense because I, I associate it to hormones, but mm. it is just a giant life shift of trying to take care of a new human being, <laughs> right? Okay. So that's really good to know. Um, yeah. And I think like what you said with the coping plan, 
having them because sometimes your partner will recognize it I feel like before you are you recognize it or you um feel it because you're like oh I don't know this is just what it's supposed to be and then they're like no you were never like this this is not how it was this is more extreme than how you've been or this is more extreme than and just want and want you to get better and get the help and maybe give you that extra push one question that I forgot to ask is touching on the intrusive thoughts what do you do because they are so real and I feel like they're real regardless of if you have anxiety or depression you just have these like the falling down the stairs or like I'm holding a knife what if it went into my baby like just these insane things that because even just me saying that I'm like oh should I should I say that like that's pretty aggressive like a, a knife in my like and so you don't want to tell anybody that you're having these thoughts but you're having them and you can't stop them so like what do you have any advice around that so yeah, intrusive thoughts, really, really common research says anywhere from 70 to hundred percent of moms experience intrusive thoughts. Oh, wow. So we'd say the majority uh, do, um, but they can feel really uncomfortable, right? Like it's like, they can feel like you're like, people are going to think I'm a bad mom. People are going to take away my baby. Like how totally. as a mom, could I even have these thoughts? But yep. they're actually rooted in evolution. Like there's an evolutionary reason for intrusive thoughts. And right. so when we, yeah, because we want to be aware to the dangers that could harm our child. And we want to, you know, we want to be almost more alert to those things. It's like a protective mother bear kind of interesting. And so, yeah, it's, there is a reason for them, but often they can feel really disruptive um, and heighten anxiety too, which is not, not a pleasant thing to feel. Um, so when we look at intrusive thoughts, the biggest thing is name it to tame it. And it sounds really lame, but we really want to verbalize like, I'm having an intrusive thought right now. Like, it's okay. It's okay that my thought is intrusive. Doesn't mean I don't love my baby, right? We love mama mantras. So like having a mantra, like I I still love my baby. It doesn't make me a bad mom, right? This thought will pass. You know, we really want to like normalize your experience and validate like that it's happening because yeah, most, most people, most moms experience intrusive thoughts. That's crazy. Yeah. And if you just shove it down, then you're just continuing to bury it. I love that. And it's actually a good thing that it feels icky. Like we want it to feel icky. Hmm. We don't want it to feel, that's actually another whole other conversation. But if it doesn't feel icky, you need to go to your healthcare provider or, and ensure you're okay. But like it's important that it doesn't feel natural to have those thoughts. Cool. So tell me more because you got, like you just had mentioned, you had written a book, have written a book. You've just released it recently. So tell me more about that and kind of what's in the book and who should pregnant women read it? Should postpartum women read it? Partners, everybody. Beautiful. Yes. Yes. We really found that like a lot of the postpartum books that are out there now, they don't necessarily talk about what the mom in like, you know, 20, 23 is going through. Right. They talk about postpartum depression, like a little bit of anxiety, but not necessarily encompassing all the things that you have to deal with from body image to to birth trauma, which I think is a vastly underlooked topic. But then also, you know, breastfeeding and postpartum anxiety, postpartum depression, mental load of motherhood. We found like, you know what, mom burnout, the the contradiction, so many different are so present in in modern day motherhood Mm. that just weren't Mm. as much like 20 30 years ago and Mm -hmm. we really want to go 
resource that kind of encompassed all, all of those things, right? So it's for like the pregnant mom, the mom that is newly postpartum or the mom that is like a couple of years down the road and is like, you know what, I'm still struggling with body image or some birth trauma or maybe some, some postpartum depression or just even going back to work. Right. So we touch on literally like all of the aspects of, of motherhood. And it was kind of our goal to make a one-stop shop right, for the postpartum mom. Well, it sounds like that's what it is. Would you say it's a good book for people who are supporting postpartum? Oh, yeah people yeah absolutely absolutely okay I love that I love and then you also have courses and workshops as well yeah yeah so we do workshops usually around every month or every other month on a specific topic that that we see is is coming up so some ones that we've done in the past like mom rage and burnout birth trauma postpartum anxiety and then we've done more like parenting focus ones around like screen time potty training we just recently uh released the highly sensitive child course over really really well for those kids who are just more highly sensitive the parents that are just more highly sensitive how to you know what learn about it relate and how do we dive into these different issues that present when you have a child that is more highly sensitive you guys are a godsend for parents and mothers (laughs) for anybody who's struggling in this time like i feel like you've got a little bit of everything for everyone that's incredible I think I've hit everything is there anything else that you guys want to talk about or that comes up a lot around this topic so many things I feel like we can talk about it forever totally I know when I said that I was like (laughs) I feel like each of these is their own podcast to talk about um I feel like this is a good starting point if you're just in that is this baby blues or is this something more this podcast episode I think will be really good for distinguishing that and then knowing what your next steps are and feeling like valid and normal that this, these things can happen. But I think also if people want to dive dig, if people want to dig deeper into these, you have a ton of resources, whether it's the course or the book or your workshops or just your Instagram account is full of so much information. Instagram account right by itself. Totally. Yeah. So I'm just super grateful that you guys were willing to come on and chat about this stuff and be a starting point for somebody and then have these resources where they can dive deeper if they need to. So thank you both so much for coming on and chatting with me about this. Yes. Thank you. All right. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you enjoyed it, please share with somebody you think would love. And I would be so honored if you would subscribe to the podcast and leave a comment and rating below so I can know what you guys are digging, what you want more of, just connect with you a little better. Thank you so much for listening and I'll see you next time.